Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Yay, good morning, good morning. Woo! Someone say fire. Freedom. Breakthrough. No limits. What a joy it is to be here. My, this, look at this tent. You guys, you guys are adaptable, resourceful, resilient, <laughs> overcomers, relentless. I, I like it. Thanks, Stephen, Lindy. Love you and Lauren and yes, Whew. Justin and Jen, Blake, the team, and just um, my, I, I, I love this place. I love Bethel, Atlanta. Anybody else love Bethel, Atlanta? I mean, the Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good," and I love going into places and tasting God's goodness. Wherever, wherever I am. And when I come here, I taste passion for Jesus. I taste excellence. I taste generosity. I, I taste leadership launching pad. I taste innovation. Miracles. And... You are significant in what God is doing. Just say, we are significant in what God is doing. Say it again. Say it louder. (laughs) I remember as a young leader, I used to say, Lord, I can't wait until I do something great for you. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, instead of waiting to do something great for me, why don't you attach great faith to what you're doing right now, and it will become great. Those who believe they're significant are significant. Those who believe they're doing a great work are doing a great work. And I just... Say thank you, Father, for this divine appointment. Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for those watching online. Thank you for <clears throat> revelation, impartation, supernatural ideas, healing. Thank you, Father, for what's going to happen just out of this meeting. Amen. I was thinking about a meeting. I was in uh, South Africa a few years ago in a rural town called Velkom. Went on a Thursday night meeting. Great church is full, about 300 people. Powerful facility. Christian school. Talked to the pastor. His name is Paul. What's your story? He says, I'm a fourth-generation pastor. 
my great-grandfather got saved. He was a drunkard. He got saved in a John G. Lake meeting. He went to the meeting with a bottle of alcohol in his back pocket. And he got radically saved in the meeting. Just say radically saved. Radically saved. And then two weeks later, he tells his wife, we're going into the ministry. A mustard seed, a mustard seed happened a hundred years before I was in that meeting. It grew into a tree, and I was in the branches of that tree of something that started a hundred years ago. And I was hearing this morning, the Lord is releasing long-term thinking over you. He's releasing long-term thinking. What's happening with this building is way bigger than you know. A hundred years from now, someone's going to say, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for paying the price. Thanks for pushing through. Thank you. And, and, and people are going to be living in the branches, not only that building, but what's been released. Because you haven't seen anything yet of what's being released out of Bethel, Atlanta. And I, I thank you, Father, for just a gift of faith being on people right now. I thank you for breaking off doubt and double-mindedness with people connected to this ministry. Thank you for, for drawing people here. Thank you for there being a blessing on every person who calls this their church home. And thank you, Father, for mustard seeds even that are being released today that will grow and people a hundred years from now will live in the branches of what happens. Someone say that's a good word. <laughs> Whoo, man. Jen says, live loved, live loved. Boy, that's hard to say. <laughs> live loved so you can overcome the obstacles. Someone say, wow. <laughs> I've, I've been doing during COVID. At the beginning, I said, I'm going to do a Facebook Live pretty much every day. I'm going to encourage people. Because one of my biggest assignments is to be an encourager. And so I had Wendy on, my wife Wendy, and she said something that rocked me, which is not unusual. <laughs> she said, a parent doesn't tell their child at age two, I'm going to tell you something, and you need to remember this. Don't ever forget it because I'm not going to tell you again. I love you. <laughs> Let's laugh at that. <laughs> if we're, and it's what she was basically saying is if in our hearing of God, we don't hear him saying every day, I love you, then maybe we're not hearing God as well as we think we're hearing God. Oh, yes, amen. I'm a high-level hearer of God. <laughs> well, how often do you hear him telling you he loves you? Not very often. I think you need to go to a ministry school. <laughs> I got one in Atlanta. <laughs> To recommend. 
couple of words, and then I'm going to have a message today that the power of biblical optimism. The power of biblical optimism. I was hearing this for um, Bethel, Atlanta. You're a John 435 church where Jesus says, Do you not say four months and then the harvest? But I say to you, look up and see. The fields are white for harvest. Basically, he says, do you not say it's not happening yet? I like to laugh at lies. <clears throat> Let's laugh at this lie. It's not happening yet. <laughs> it's already happening. Just say it's already happening. It's already happening in your life. It's already happening in your family. It's already happening in your city. It's already happening in your nation. Just say it's already happening. And this is a church that causes people's eyes to look up and see what God's already doing. It's already happening. We don't need to wait. I mean, Bill Johnson's got great quotes. One of them I really like. He's, he said, in, instead of praying for a revival, why don't you just have one? <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, man, I thought I had to wait to be sovereignly zapped. I'm waiting. Yeah, another quote I really like. He says, the only closed heavens are between your ears. <laughs> I said, John 435, church, you're, you see what God's doing. Jesus said, I do nothing except what I see the Father doing. You see, and you cause other people to see. And I see that even in this season, that you're, you're, you're going to have a new, higher ability to understand what God's on. What he's saying. This is a church that is not stuck in the past. This is a church that is not going to be just trying to preserve something. This is a church that moves with the cloud. And I'm talking to people this morning who have that same gifting. You move when God moves. And the Lord is, is breaking off pessimism. By the way, this is a pessimism deliverance service. People are going to get delivered from pessimism and not even know it. It's just a fun deliverance. <laughs> couple things. Um, I'm on staff at Bethel Church Reading. Been there since 2008, work in a department called the Bethel Leaders Network. It's where leaders, especially church leaders, say, I want to connect. Uh, I want more. This is my tribe. That's where they can do that through. It used to be called Global Legacy, now Bethel Leaders Network. Used to travel about half the year. Haven't traveled as much lately. <laughs> Actually kind of liked it. Think about, I'm strengthening my travel muscle, and I get sent to Atlanta, 
Move clocks forward. <laughs> Are you serious, Lord? I'm serious. I'm four hours off my normal time. I'm just... <laughs> but he's faithful. He's faithful. My wife and I also have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. We've got books back there. We have um, ignitinghope.com. You can find about, out about us. Sign up for our newsletter if you want to connect in a greater way. But we, are, we have a mandate to ignite hope. It's our assignment. Because there's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. There's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. I'm going to talk today about the power of biblical optimism. I'm not into positive thinking. I'm into biblical optimism. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Say confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. How many know that's a lot of hope talk? I mean, don't let go of talking hope and do it without wavering. Whoo! I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. I don't know what God's going to do in America, but he's got a solution. Mm. And then it tells us why. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Say, he who promised is faithful. Say it again. Say it louder. And that's the basis of our hope. It's the basis of our hope. I'm going to share three things about hope today. Talk about value hope, how to get hope, and giving hope away. Now, value hope. We will only make room for what we value. I used to not, for instance, I, I used to not value the joy of the Lord. Well, Lord, if you want me to have joy, you know where I live. I'm waiting for you. Besides, I don't have the right personality for joy. <laughs> then I started valuing it. Romans 14, 17, it's one-third of the kingdom. That's a whole other message. But somebody in the room is, is, gonna, is getting a revelation on the value of joy. It's our strength. I don't need strength at the end of the battle. I need strength in the middle of the battle. I used to say, Lord, when all my problems are over, then I'll be joyful. Is that okay with you? He said, no. It's not okay with me. <laughs> it's not how this thing works. But we value hope. Now, why do we value hope? Well, I believe hope 
Our hope level determines our influence level. It's number one. He who has the most hope has the most influence. It's hard to influence that which you do not have hope for. Whether it's yourself, a family member, a nation. I love Ezekiel 37, Valley of Dry Bones. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. But God basically says, Ezekiel, I want you to see something. Faith doesn't deny how dry things are. We don't deny how dry things are. We just don't get our beliefs out of what we see. He showed Ezekiel a valley of very dry bones. Just say very dry. I mean, God's not afraid of us seeing how very dry things are, how very dry morality is, how very dry government is, how very dry unity is, how very dry family life is. He's not afraid of us seeing the dryness. Then he asked Ezekiel a question. Basically says, hey, Ezekiel, I'd like to know what you think about something. Ha, <laughs> ha. Because what you think is going to determine what I can do. Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? <laughs> Ezekiel, he gives the safest answer of all time. <laughs> oh, Lord God, you know. Four months and then the bones might live. <laughs> We're awaiting. We're awaiting for you. <laughs> We're waiting for you to sovereignly zap the bones. <laughs> God doesn't even respond to that. He just says, prophesy to the bones. Tell the bones they've got a good future. You, hey, bones, hey, hey, looks bad now. <laughs> looks bad now, but you've got a good future. You shall live. You shall live. Just say, America, you shall live. America, you got a good future. If we believe anything else, our belief systems are under the influence of a lie. Because our future is as bright as the promises of God. Uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I think this message is just for you. <laughs> Our hope level, we value hope because I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership, influential quality there is. It, of all the leadership skills that we get, and we want them all, and we... You know, whether it's uh, uh, creating vision, uh, implementing vision, releasing signs and wonders, uh, conflict resolution, wh whatever the leadership skill is, I believe after love, hope is the most powerful skill that a leader can have. And again, I'll, we're learning about hope. I'm 
in the 90s. I don't have much real hope. The only time I thought right when I was under the manifest presence of God. In the prayer meeting, yes, amen. Yes, we got the shakarumbahamga. In the worship service, yes. Yes, we're going to do it. Man, I tell you, we, we, we did some powerful things today. And oh, yes, amen. I will build my life upon your love, and I will not be shaken. Yes, I believe it. But outside of the manifest presence, I was pessimistic, insecure, feeling unworthy, disappointed, discouraged. Someone turned the music back on so I can think right. read a quote I've shared with you before by Francis Frangipan. He said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope, say glisten with hope. Every area of your life doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. That quote changed my life. You never know when you're reading a book, when you're going to read something that's going to change your life. You never know when you're going to be in a meeting, when it's going to change your life, you're going to hear something. Just say, this is the meeting. And I realized I had good doctrine but bad beliefs. Good doctrine, Jesus God, the authority of Scripture, but I had bad beliefs about God, about me, about people in my life, my nation my future, and he took me on this journey of saying, okay, your, your lack of hope is the indicator that that area is under the influence of a lie, that belief system. And again, we can't influence, it's very difficult to influence that which we do not have hope for. So we value hope. Hope gives us energy, and it creates excellence. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, without a vision, the people perish. Vision and hope are tied together. My favorite definition of hope is this, is that hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present. And I have the power to help make it so. Wherever there's hope, hope for the future gives purpose and energy for the present. Many people's tiredness is not physical, it's spiritual. So we, we say, thank you, Lord, just we value hope because without a vision, I perish. I begin to die. I begin to stop trying to create excellence. I don't think, if I don't think I can make a difference, then why do anything? 
And then we value hope because hope is what makes our faith healthy. Again, another time I'm listening to my wife, Wendy. We're preaching together, and she makes this statement. Faith without hope is weird. Because if you, let me just try to share the difference between faith and hope. Faith is very specific, while hope is more general. Faith says God's going to do this. He's going to answer this prayer. This prophetic destiny is going to be realized. Hope says, I don't know what God's going to do, but good things are coming. Good things are coming. Faith people without hope have a very difficult time overcoming disappointment. Because faith people without hope tend to put all their eggs in one basket. This has to happen or it's all over. This prayer, I, I, this, this, this prayer has to get answered. It's going to be answered. And I'm not going to be happy until it is answered. Hope is happy while you're waiting for the prayer to be answered. Faith says this person has to get elected or it's all over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hope says even if that person doesn't get elected, I'm going to thrive in life. <laughs> Faith says I'm getting married. Yes, amen. I'm believing. Hope says even if I don't get married, I'm going to thrive. And what happens if you have hope, it increases the likelihood of the answer coming. Because hope is a reflection of a prosperous soul. Faith, hope is what makes our faith healthy. So we value hope. Secondly, we get hope. How do we get more hope? Well, hang out in a place like this. It's helpful. Get some hope, friends. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you listening to? What are you feeding on? Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 13, they, they hung out with each other. Each of them had a hope buddy. <laughs> Many of you know the story. Moses sends out 12 spies to spy out the promised land. For 40 days they come back. Give Moses a report. They break up into two groups of people. Two groups of people saw the exact same set of circumstances and put a different conclusion on what they saw. Someone just go, hmm, 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 hmm. The circumstance almost always is not as important as the conclusion we place on it. The ten spies, someone just say, by the way, ten spies, just say boo. Boo. Great place, but we're not able. We wish we were born at a different time when things would be better. Ha, ha, ha. 
We're like grasshoppers in our own sight. The problems are too big. They're too big. We can't do it. We're unable. But Joshua and Caleb, someone go, yay. Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once. We are well able to overcome it. Just say, we are well able to overcome it. Say it again. Say it louder. Both those who believe they can and those who believe they can't are both right. Get a hope buddy. If you don't have a hope buddy, just feed on hope. I mean, we do. I do a podcast every week. Uh, I, I just speak relentless hope. We do online courses. This house is a house of hope. Find somebody. Listen to Joel Osteen. I listen to Joel Osteen all the time. I need it because I sometimes slip off. Man, anybody else slip off in the lies? Yeah, I need constant input. I need constant connection with that which gives me hope. I remember basically the Lord said, Stephen, Wendy, I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. <laughs> and never once have we prayed, Lord, are you hopeless about that? Ah, uh, yes, we are. This situation so bad that even prayer is pointless. <laughs> so we get hope, friends. And then we just renew our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I used to only renew my mind with my feelings and my past experience. It's all I came into agreement with. And then when I heard the quote that if an area of my thinking doesn't glisten with hope that's under the influence of a lie, I began to take inventory of my thoughts. And Romans 15, 13 says, now, say now. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You get so much hope, you become a hope abounder. You get the Tigger anointing. I used to have symptoms of the Eeyore anointing. Nobody wants Pastor Eeyore. Oh, yes, amen, I'm, I'm Pastor Eeyore, <laughs> and I'm in part 85 of my series, Why Things Are Only Going to Get Worse. <laughs> no, thank you. If you boil Romans 15, 13 down to its essence, it's now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So our hope levels the indicator of whether we're believing lies or truth. So how do we get hope? 
we, we begin to not trust any belief in our life that doesn't have hope attached to it. For me, that was pretty much every belief. What's the lie that's creating this lack of hope? Let's bring that lie out of darkness and into light. Let me put language to what I'm actually believing. Yep, I'm believing my prayers are not working. I'm believing it's too late. I'm believing that the gates of hell have prevailed against the church in my nation. I'm believing we're not worthy to be blessed. Whatever it is, bring the belief into the light. This is what I believe. I believe because of what's happening in my family, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, woo, let's look at that one. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm a victim of other people's perceptions of me. Mm-hmm. Ah, let's look at that one. Woo. Does that line up with my biblical identity? Does that line up with biblical promises? No. And I find out what's the truth. What do I need to believe to have hope in that area? Is the power question to ask the Lord for how to get hope and renew our mind with that. So the power of biblical optimism, we value hope, we get hope, and then we give hope away. We give hope away. Now, the first person I need to give hope away to is me. The first person I need to influence with hope is me. Now, I don't know about you, but giving me hope is a challenge. Because I know me really well. I hang out with me a lot. (laughs) And there's some things about me I don't like. I wish we're different. Anybody else out there? Yeah, mm -hmm. welcome to the club. Welcome. There's a lot of room for you. And I've just, man, I've been on this journey for years of how to inspire me. It says in Isaiah 35, verse 4, it says, Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, fear not. Your God will come. The first person in to say that's to me. That's why I love to make declarations. I've got this uh, declaration clicker. Got a few of them on the table. This thing's spiritually flammable. My goal is to make at least 100 declarations a day. I mean, you guys helped me out today, man. I was declaring during your worship, I will not be shaken. <laughs> Click. I remember I used to get irritated at worship leaders because they always have me sing the same phrase over and over and over. I'm thinking, I want to move on. 
Then the Lord said, Steve, that's the only way I can get you to say it. The only way I can get you to say something higher than what you're feeling and experiencing is if there's music. It's the only way I can get you to say it. I want you to say it without music. Someone just go, rah, rah. I say it without music. Pretty much every day when I wake up, I say these words, this is going to be the best day of my life yet. This is going to be my best day spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, influence. Best day in my family. This is a day of victory and breakthrough. You say, well, uh, <clears throat> Steve, um, what if it's not your best day? Shouldn't you wait until the day is over? <laughs> and then just use your words to describe your day? Ha ha. Now, God hasn't called us to use our words to describe our lives. He's called us to use our words to change our lives. Sports teams, they're not in the locker room before the game pessimistic. Yeah, let's try not to lose too badly today. Hey, let's also try not to get hurt. Uh-uh, I've been in, I mean, they're talking fire. I mean, there's one thing. I mean, to be an influencer, we need skill, we need an assignment, and we need fire. Someone just say fire. fire. And if a sports team loses, they don't say to themselves, that didn't work. That didn't work. Let's not do that again before the next game. That's ridiculous. I mean, getting your hopes up is risky. Hope is risky business. Our strongholds hate hope. They hate hope because they know once we open up to hope again, they're done. They're done. I know if I, if I get my hopes up, oh, I, I risk being disappointed again. But there's two ways to live. You can live a hopeless life and never be disappointed. Someone say boo. Or you can live a hope-filled life with occasional disappointment. Someone say yay. I'm learning how to inspire me. I'm, I'm in the room. I was just thinking about who's in this room. And the Lord, I just heard this, Steve, there's great people in this room. There's great people watching online right now. There's great people. And one of the things that we do, we're influencers, and we learn how to inspire ourselves. Now, I don't always stay inspired, but I celebrate progress, not perfection. But I'm, I'm learning how to light my own fire. Someone just say fire. fire. I've only got one shot at this thing called life. And there's someone who's hearing me right now that there's literally the fire of vision and God's getting in your life. 
Somebody in this room is, gonna, is getting lit up. It's a hundred-year thing is going to happen through you. But I wake up, this is, good, this is it. And when I say it, I don't feel it at all. I don't feel like this is going to be the greatest day of my life yet. Especially this morning. <laughs> Didn't feel that at all. Where am I? That's going to be the greatest day. No, say it like you mean it, Steve. <laughs> so we give hope away. We give it to ourselves first, and then we give it away to other people. In my bio, the first thing that's in my bio is Steve Backlund is encourager. Hope igniter, joy activist, leader developer. But the first thing's encourager. I'd rather be known as an encourager than an intergalactic apostle. <laughs> One of the main reasons we come together is to encourage. There's other reasons we come together, but Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't care what you believe the day is, it's approaching. <laughs> Whatever your theology says the day, I don't care, but it's approaching. <laughs> and go all the more. All the more, all the more. We're to go out in a blaze of encouragement. Every year, God's, God's put grace on us to encourage more. Every year, we, we are on assignment to look at people, to consider people. What can I say to them? Who are you telling me to encourage? Who can I send a text to? Who can I help just, just get a little more strength and courage in their lives? whether it's leaders over you, whether it's someone down and out, everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. So we're talking about hope. And we're talking about the power of biblical optimism. We value hope. We get hope. We give hope away. I just I want to I want to close with this story and then and just just pray over you because I just believe something's already been happening in this meeting. Something's happening in this meeting, and it's supernatural. Your hunger. The Lord is. He's doing something in our nation right now with people like you and me. We've come up off of the canvas with got uppercuts of COVID virus, just all kinds of things going on. We went back to our corner, and he's sending us out again. He's sending us out again. There was a family reunion in Cocoa Beach, Florida many years ago, and Grandma got up at 2 a.m. and said, Everybody up, I've got a word from God. The word was to fill Coke bottles with encouragement on them, with scripture promises of hope, and throw, uh, throw Coke bottles into the sea. They did 200 Coke bottles. 
threw them into the ocean. When, when we commit ourselves to encourage others, God's going to give us creative ideas on how to do it. They got letters all through the years, and the last letter they got was from a, a woman in Ohio who had lost her husband. Their farm was being foreclosed. She was going to commit suicide by breaking a hole in the ice. This is a book from Dutch Sheets. And she, when she broke the ice, guess what popped up? Someone say, wow, wow. And she said, I can really live. And when I hear things like that, man, I, I just say, Lord, use me. Here am I, send me. It does, when we say, here am I, send me, it doesn't mean we have to go across the world. It, so much of it is just right now in our lives. Send me to me. <laughs> I'm the most important person I'm sent to. And then send me to others to give hope, to speak hope, to tell them these bones shall live. They may not seem like it now, but there's a good future here. I, I don't know what God's going to do, but he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Why don't you guys just stand, and I want to I pray over you. <clears throat> Thanks, Father, for what you've done today. Thank you, Lord, for just the power of hope. Thank you for grace to value hope. Thank you for revelation on how to get hope. And thank you, Lord, for just grace to give hope to ourselves and to encourage others like never before. I thank you for every person who's watching, even those who may, may be watching online or are here this morning who don't know you yet and they're seeking and searching, thank you for answering their cry for truth. Thank you for re revealing Jesus to them as well right now. If you receive this message, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me today. It was supernatural. It's going to increase. It's going to influence the nations. And that makes me glad. Amen. Just give a shout to the Lord right now. Yeah! Woo! Yes, Lord. Give him another shout. The walls are coming down. The walls are coming down. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.